Hello, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And this is the show where we take movies that have been out for decades, sometimes, and give them a fresh review. Lots of people like to reference movies from the past, but they don't actually really take a look at them. And this time around, we're going to take a look at that classic love story, Love Story! (laughs) (laughs) Which is perfectly named, because you could hardly have a more generic movie. It's lazily named, is what it is. It's like, what is this? It's a love story. What are you going to call it? Uh, uh, love story? I have an alternate title, but we'll get to that when we get to the review. Um, (laughs) Let me give you guys a really brief synopsis of Love Story. Um, It is, uh, and you can chime in whenever you want while I'm doing the synopsis, Steve, but Love Story is supposed to be about uh, two college students, one going to Harvard, the other one going to Radcliffe. Um, The the girl's going to Radcliffe, of course. And they meet in a library, and um, she's kind of abrasive and doesn't take no guff, and he's (laughs) kind of an asshole. And they, of course, don't like each other at first, but for some reason they go out to coffee and then they start developing love feelings for one another. But, oh no, she wants to go to Paris! But don't worry, within seconds she gets convinced not to go because he's going to marry her. And then he's got to go take her to go see his dad. Oh, did we mention that he's rich? Oh yeah, he's rich, like millions, and he's a millionaire. Not a thousandaire, he's got like an estate, and he's got a dad that he can't stand for reasons. <laughs> he, <laughs> and... he's, re- he's resentful of his privileged background. Yes, he's resentful of his privileged background, and he doesn't really like his father. And so uh, <laughs> he takes them to go meet them, and they have a really nice time, which he gets really upset about <laughs> for, <laughs> for, again, reasons. Um, but then uh, he meets her dad, and uh, he's, you know, he's a nice guy, too, and he's not against the marriage, so they get married. And um, But, oh, no, uh, his dad says, hey, I want you to think about it before you get married. Why don't you just g- give it a couple of weeks? And he says, screw you, stop controlling my life. And then his dad goes, oh, yeah, well, uh, if you do this, I'm going to not talk to you. And he, the son's like, fine. And I guess not talk <laughs> to you means cut off. But I have a sneaking suspicion it meant that he just rejected money from his father. <laughs> So now, oh, they've got to live poor. So now they're living poor, but they're married, and she's now a teacher, and he's he's studying to become um, a lawyer. And he's also and, a boat mechanic. Yeah, somehow. and he's apparently a boat mechanic. <laughs> and um, But they're struggling, struggling, as typified by the overly long him-selling-Christmas-trees scene for oh. no reason at all that doesn't at all feel like padding. Anyway... Um, <laughs> Uh, they he eventually uh, gets his degree and he becomes a big time lawyer and they move out of the dump in Cambridge that little tiny apartment which um, costs them eighty two whole dollars a month in rent can you believe it that's that's a rip off man eighty two yeah. whole dollars and they move to New York and she becomes basically a housewife she stops working and she but no she, that's her choice she's she's happy about it and and they're gonna try to have a kid but oh no the doctor says. <laughs> She can't have kids. And, oh, yeah, she's dying. Of what? Reasons. (laughs) (laughs) If you think I'm being flip, literally reasons. She's dying from plot contrivance. Exactly. Anyway, um, (laughs) 
for some reason, the doctor tells the husband and not her, and he and he he doesn't tell her for a little while, and then we have long scenes of of the of the husband wandering around New York, and then he's gonna buy her tickets to go to Paris uh, because he felt like maybe she didn't do that because she decided to marry him, but oh, she knows, and then they go ice skating, and <laughs> but oh, she's got to go to the hospital. By the way, she does not look sick at all in any. Oh, by the way, and nor did she look sick. Before the diagnosis of dying from plot contrivance, you know, if I die, I want to get plot contrivance. That's what it, I want. It's the disease to have, apparently. <laughs> it's the, what was it? Roger Ebert said that she has a disease that makes her look more beautiful as, she's, yeah. as she gets sicker. He, he actually named it Ally McGraw disease. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so she's going to the hospital to get treatments, and she dies in like days, it seems like. Um, she goes in, it's wintertime, and it's still wintertime, uh, you know, and he's there, and he's about to leave, and the dad comes up, and he's still a jerk to his father. <laughs> and then he goes and sits and stares at an ice rink, the end. Oh, yeah, and spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, Although, really, you don't have to say spoilers, because that, I mean, the movie spoils itself, because this ingeniously structured film opens with Oliver... <laughs> With Oliver in the park, yeah, like basically telling us, "Oh, she's dead." So there's no surprise or suspense or anything. So uh, unless you guys haven't noticed, um, we're going to give this movie a glowing review. Oh boy! All right, so that's the basic plot out of the way. We'll go into more plot detail as we review it. Hey, Steve. (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, how do you feel about love story? You know, I um, I feel like I owe you an apology because this was my suggestion. <laughs> You're right, you do. This was your goddamn idea. <laughs> this was Sitting my... here, wasted a perfectly good Sunday morning watching this tripe. <laughs> this is my suggestion to watch this movie and and review this movie. And I, uh, you know, I have like complained occasionally about people who take movies too seriously and kind of made fun of people. Like when we do the counterpoint segment in previous shows where you read reviews of people who disagree with us and people get all angry and pissed off about a movie. And I always say, Oh, it's just a movie. Don't take it so personally. Don't take it so seriously. This is one of those movies that makes me a hypocrite because I really, really hate this movie. Yeah. I hate everything about it. I hate every cloying artificial moment of it. I hate the way that it's structured. Like I just said about the for it has this weird circular structure where for some reason it has to begin at the end even though there's yeah. no reason to do that. No, there's uh, no reason to bookend this movie. Not at all. And there are other parts, like even the parts of the movie that it, it looks like it's kind of going to get something right. It it fucks it up just with the silly structure. Like the there there's a scene where Oliver and Jenny, the scene where uh, they go to visit his parents for the first time. Oh, we should we should butt in. Um, yeah. Oliver is played by the incomparable Ryan O'Neill. Indeed. Jenny is played by Ali McGraw. Yes. Um, Oliver's father um, is played by Ray Milland, and her father is played by uh, John Marley. Um, who you would recognize from uh, the Godfather films as oh, the yeah. dude who loves his horse and uh, <laughs> a little too much. Yeah. Um, and other than that, the only other notable casting note is the blink, uh, blink and you'll miss him cameo by uh, Tommy Lee Jones's first film as the roommate. Yeah. 
who who Tommy Lee Jones who gives the best performance in the film. Well, by... I was going to say I don't hate <laughs> everything about this movie. I here's the thing. This is one of those films where it's kind of like watch older actors act circles around the younger actors. Um uh, yeah. the dad, John Marley, both dads, John Marley and Ray Milland. I like those characters, believe it or not. Yeah. I actually do like those characters a lot. I actually my uh, watching it this time, I I had a I mean, I picked up on a few other things, but traditionally my one saving grace of the movie was uh, Phil. I mean, I really, I, I always felt like uh, it was a good performance. He, he actually seemed like a real person as opposed to someone just mouthing trite dialogue. Yeah, Phil and... is, uh, is Oliver's best friend, I think, isn't it? Yeah. No, Phil is the dad. Phil is uh, Jenny's dad. Oh, Jenny's dad, Phil. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jenny's dad. No, he's, yeah. he, he gives a I love you, Phil. <laughs> okay, we're, we're getting sidetracked. Let's, let's, let's try to... Sorry. Let's just give a little bit more information about the movie. Um, it was directed <laughs> by Arthur Hiller. It was written by Eric yep. Siegel. And uh, while he was developing the screenplay for this, uh, the production company, Paramount, said, hey, write this into a book, and we'll publish it before the movie comes out, because that's how they did things back then. So the book became like a gargantuan bestseller, and this movie made a shitzillion dollars as well in the box office. Um, when it came out in 1970, so um, this was not an unpopular movie. It was, it was. I would hate to say this. It's kind of influential. Um, and it, it was, it was nominated for Oscars. It was nominated for yes, awards. It was. It was. They all. Everyone in the movie got nominated for an Oscar for best performance. I mean, I think both uh, <laughs> uh, Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill uh, both got nominated. Yeah. So um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we start with this? I mean, let's just go. Let's just do basic plot for right now, and we'll get to the awful performances. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm. You know, it's funny. Like when you talk about the plot, I mean, it really is true when you say in your your summary at the beginning of the show here that she dies of plot contrivance. Like mm-hmm. the the only reason this movie exists is to create these two characters and then to kill one of them. Right. I mean, it, other than that, it it has nothing to say. It has nothing to tell us. The characters themselves are not terribly interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just there to show us two people to get us so we hang out with them for an hour or so and grow accustomed to them. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of them dies. Like that's it. It, it. it is it is uh, emotional manipulation the movie. Yeah. Literally from the treacly horrible soundtrack that gets stuck in your head for hours after you watch it. Um, to just the way that they they kind of go overboard to try to make these characters charming and to make them have this kind of playful, uh, uh, semi-combative, uh, not 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 a bad way, a semi-combative uh, relationship where she uh, constantly uh, uh, jibs and jabs at yeah. him, and he uh, doesn't so much because I really don't. <laughs> I really dislike the Oliver Keller character. The the the. Technically, this should not be called love story. This should be called Oliver's story because everything is based on his reactions to yeah. stuff. If you haven't, if if you rewatch the movie, she is in. She is incidental to the plot of this film. It is about him meeting her, and then whenever anything major happens, it's all from his perspective. Yep. Even when she gets sick, we don't get to see the reaction. Her reaction of being told that she's dying. We get to see his reaction. Um, yeah. Out of those two characters, I want to see her reaction, not his. And not only that, you, you not only do you get his reaction to learning her terminal diagnosis, you also mm-hmm. get his reaction to finding out that she found out. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't even tell her. 
No. She goes to the doctor. Because apparently in 1970, the doctor tells the husband everything. And then, then doesn't tell the, you know, it's like they're colluding together to go, well, you know, you'll have to tell her at some point. You're a doctor. <laughs> Why, Why didn't you call her? her into the office? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there, there's actually, uh, there is actually a sequel to this called Oliver's Story. If you, I don't Yeah, know I'm not going to bother. Yeah. That was the first movie was Oliver's Story because yeah. everything was about yeah. him. Yeah. And, and uh, quite honestly, the Oliver character, awful. Just oh, the character he, himself is awful. He's a, he's a dick. And the, the worst part is, except for... There's one fleeting moment where Jenny has a line of dialogue where she seems to be uh, aware that Oliver is being a dick about his parents for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Uh, and other than that, it's like we're sort of supposed to sympathize with Oliver, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we're uh, never given a motivation as to why he dislikes his father so much. And to be quite honest, his father has done nothing. His no. father doesn't do anything. It's not like he's a mustachio-twirling villain throughout the movie in which he says awful, horrible things about her. He doesn't. The most no. horrible thing he suggests is, hey, you know what? You're kind of young. Maybe you should take a moment before you decide to get married right away. And he has tantrum five in the movie <laughs> because he's not getting exactly what he wants when he, when he, when he wants it. And he yells at his father and storms off and he then refuses to talk to him. And it's kind of like every time I see Ray, Ray Maland on screen, I'm like, oh, you poor guy. Your son <laughs> is such an asshole. He is an yeah. asshole. Not only, not only is his father not a villainous character, but just based on what we see of him in this story, he, I mean, he seems like he actually genuinely cares about his son. Yes, he does. I mean, he, he seems like sort of a, an aristocratic, stiff upper lip kind of a guy. But within that context, he seems like he really actually cares about Oliver and tries to help whenever whenever he finds out that Oliver is in trouble somehow. It seems like he's the kind of guy like he lends him five thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. I've missed that out of the synopsis without even after they've been estranged. And and Oliver just shows up at his at his house and asks Mm -hmm. for five grand, doesn't tell him what it's for. This is apparently the first time they've spoken like in years. And Mm -hmm. his dad gives him the money. No questions asked. Even better, at the end of the movie, after Jenny's dead, Raymond is rushing to the hospital, and he says, I just heard, I had to find, I made a few phone calls, I'm here to help. You know, asshole son who refused to talk to me or go to my 60th birthday party. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. And then, I mean, and it doesn't, I I just, it's hard to, it's so hard to tell because both of the way the character is written and because of Ryan O'Neill's performance, whether Oliver has learned anything at all. Like, there's that last line he has between he and his father where he says, where he repeats, you know, love means never having to say you're sorry. And it's hard to tell whether, like, what that means to him. Yeah. You know, because he has been, like, has he realized that he's been a huge asshole all these years and that a lot of these problems he's having or his own doing yeah, or is he trying to throw it back in his yeah. father's face or what in a traditional movie that's where they would have reconciled that's where right. they that's where he would have gone i have been such a jerk i i she was right the entire time i'm so sorry because it, let's let's here's the other thing enough about ryan 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 reynolds great ryan reynolds <laughs> 
<laughs> Enough about his character. We've de- we've determined that he is a selfish asshole. Um, he has moments where he feels regret for. I mm-hmm. mean, she gives up a the Paris thing, and she gives up her music so that she can basically become a housewife to him. And he feels regret yeah. for that. So when he finds out she's dying, he buy goes out and buys tickets to Paris. Um, but um, let's let's take a look at the other half of the couple, which is Ali McGraw's character, which is Jenny, who is the magic girlfriend. <laughs> Exactly. She has... The, the thing is, is that she is too perfect in a lot of ways. She is too understanding. She is too uh, forgiving uh, to a fault. Um, you know, it's kind of like... It, it's almost like a 45-year-old man wrote this script and said, well, we got to make her modern, but we don't want to make her too modern. So let's make sure that the audience understands that when she's living at the home and wants to have babies rather than pursue her, her career or go to Juilliard, it's her decision, which is fine if that's realistic. But the, the writing in this is so ham-handed and so um, unrealistic that you get this idea that he's like, no, 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 we're going to make it so that he has, you know, she's independent, but she stays at home, you know, and she just wants to have babies. She's doing all the traditional stuff like cooking breakfast and doing all this other stuff. And yeah, she has some snarky dialogue, but the the whole thing about her is, is that she is, they have this big fight over uh, going to his father's 60th birthday party, Mm -hmm. right? And he uh, she's on the phone with his dad and she tells him that um, you know your son loves you very much and he freaks out and slaps the phone out of her hand and tells her to get out and so she does and then Ryan O'Neill goes looking for her <laughs> and there is the worst musical swell as this dumbass first starts up first off the first place he looks is the laundromat yeah. Like, Maybe goes, she's in the laundromat. To, he goes to all her favorite places. The laundromat, yeah. the dry cleaner, the general store. I mean. The general store. But my favorite well, my favorite sequence is that is when he's down this long hallway in the music center or wherever it is. Yeah. And he keeps opening doors that clearly are labeled violin or piano. <laughs> and every time he opens it, that's what you hear. You open the violin, you hear violin music, and then he opens the next one, piano music. I'm just glad that there weren't like doors a... marked elephant stampede. He opens it up. <laughs> Clunk. It's like a scene out of a cartoon. It's so bad. <laughs> and then he gets outside and he's running, trying to find her. And there is this huge swell of music as if the most important, you know, uh, dramatic thing that has ever happened ever is happening. And it's not. He's just looking for his wife who left the house after he told her to leave the house. And they make it seem like their whole relationship is riding on it. She's gone forever or something. I don't yeah. I don't know why they felt that this was so dramatic. When he finally finds her, she is sitting on the front stoop weeping. And she said, I forgot my key because she would, apparently was going to come home because she is the perfect girlfriend. <laughs> and to reinforce that she is the perfect girlfriend, he starts to say, I'm sorry, which I think would be normal for anyone who had a freak out about his dad's birthday party or even worse. <laughs> Having someone tell his father that he loves him. (laughs) Get out! Yeah, get out! And she says the titular line, which was on the posters, on the on the the book cover, and became kind of it's the line that this movie's known for, which is when she says, uh, "Love means never having to say you're sorry," which means, yeah, you can hit me all you want. <laughs> <laughs> you won't even have to apologize. You won't have because that's what love is. Ugh. And of course, then just like all of the other disputes that they've had throughout the film, it is quickly forgotten and they move on. And that that 
that's the, that's the other thing. None of, nothing that happens has any any time that there is any conflict with the Jenny character. She holds on to no resentments. She seems to have no regrets. All of the drama that takes place is taking place with the Oliver character, and the Oliver character has emotional problems with his father, which is never addressed, never brought up. I mean, if if he was being physically abused or whatever, then we'd understand it. But his whole right. deal is he's always giving me commands. But we're watching the movie; Ray Milland doesn't give him a single command. No, it's like he's a psychopath, and he doesn't. <laughs> when it comes to his father, every you know, his father walks in and goes, "Oh, good morning, Oliver." Don't tell me what to do. It's like he's 13 years old. Literally. <laughs> and and see, the problem with that is the movie doesn't seem to realize that. If they had created the yeah. exact same character, but the filmmakers had an awareness that mm-hmm. Oliver was a baby, that he was a dick, that he takes his problems out on other people, that he makes mountains out of molehills. If, if, if they were aware of that and they presented us the character from that angle, it would have made mm-hmm. a huge difference. But they didn't. They seem, no. as, as far as I can tell, because again, the, the writing is so bad, the direction is so bad, that it's hard to tell even what they what the filmmakers intentions are but if they had done that instead of I guess wanting us to sympathize with Oliver most of the time. Well, he is I the mean, central character. He's the, yeah. we follow around all the time. All of the reactions to all the major things that are happening in this relationship are based on his point of view, how he reacts to certain things. It's never about what her reactions are. And quite honestly, she's dealing with all the change. Yeah. She's the one that she's the one that doesn't go to Paris so that she can marry this twat. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry to anyone who takes offense to that. <laughs> but boy, did this movie make me angry. She's the one that sacrifices her her school um she's the one that sacrifices her music ultimately yeah. she's the one that sacrifices her career because she was a teacher up until he becomes a lawyer and then she becomes a, basically a kept woman no matter how snarky she is that is you know she basically is a housewife trying to get married uh trying not trying to get married trying to get pregnant yeah um, and then ultimately, she's the one that's actually sick. But we don't get to see any of those things based on her point of view, only his. And his point of view is boring. It, basically, his reaction is long shots of him walking <laughs> around, staring at shit. Trying to look pained. Trying to look pained. I'm sorry, Jenny. <laughs> My, 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 favorite, my favorite line from him in the movie is when he's in the penalty box at the hockey game mm-hmm. and, and Jenny, because she's like such a cartoon character, like basically mm-hmm. just comes skipping up to him and goes, what are you doing here? Why aren't you out on the ice with the rest of your team? And he's like, I'm in the penalty box. And she's like, what did you do to get in the penalty box? And he goes, I tried too hard. <laughs> it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> exactly. I mean, when, when a lot of the tertiary characters are more interesting than your your lead. You have a problem with your film. Uh, I mentioned Tommy Lee Jones because I think he has four lines in the movie. Yeah, something like that. All delivered perfectly. Absolutely. Perfectly. He takes takes a part that is nothing on the page. No. And and to me, personally, I think... And invests him with more history and and, more realism. And personality. Yes. I mean, and and he has timing. Like, he takes lines that that aren't even written funny and makes them funny. Yeah. 
yeah. when uh, I, I say he gives the best performance in the film just sitting there at that poker game with a cigarette between his teeth. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, he he does that little take to after Oliver goes into his bedroom and they're like, you know, and he just has some little line, you know, about, oh, uh, is this another one of uh, is this another one of Oliver's girls or something? And yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Oliver like slams the door and he kind of turns to the guy next to him. and goes, well, you know, that settles it or something like that. Yeah, just, just, something along those lines. And it's it, and it's funny the way yeah. because he makes it funny with his performance and yeah he's yeah. in the movie for like a total of 30 seconds yeah and you see him for 30 seconds and you're like i want to spend more time with that guy the interesting one that's playing cards and smoking that would that, you know that guy i don't want to hang around with the asshole who has emotional issues and doesn't seem to understand that his dad really loves him and 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 i need to really because it is such a central point to the plot of this film that he really does not get along with his father at no point in this movie is ray Milland evil at no point no. in this movie is he discourteous or rude and at no point in this movie does he ever tell his son to do something awful like you know you should really break up with this strumpet that you're going out with (laughs) nothing like that if anything the oliver character is going out of his way to find insult the line that that really uh that really punctuates says he he meets his father for dinner and the father says no uh she is very accomplished and ryan o'neill breaks out she has a name. <laughs> yeah, don't call her she. And he said he apologizes. Sorry. I'm sorry, Jenna. Yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, I'm sorry, um, Lady Jennifer. Is that better? <laughs> her Royal Highness. And so they have the the where she meets the parents. At no point are they rude or dismissive nope. or they're... he the Raymond character actually says his father actually says she is you know there's a lot to be admired about her considering her background to get to Radcliffe and you know what that's true mm-hmm. she is the daughter of a baker they're not she's she's not I don't think they were tech, they're technically poor um, definitely poorer than Oliver's family yeah um, but you know you get the feeling that Raymond's character actually admires her a great deal and the Oliver character just doesn't care he did, he can't see it and what's and more interesting to me is how did the director not see this <laughs> when they were editing this thing together he's like um Oliver's kind of a jerk <laughs> I mean that raises a whole different set of questions though because I, I have so many questions about the editing process of this movie <laughs> I mean, it's one it's one of those movies like I just except for the handful of supporting performances that I do agree with you with the supporting performances are so much better than the leads mm-hmm. like by mm-hmm. leaps and bounds. Oh, um, and the, I need to we need to interject this too. Yeah. Ali McGraw is not good. Oh, she's horrible. Her 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 delivery is stiff. You don't believe you don't believe you don't believe the dialogue that's coming out of their mouth. No, and, well the thing about that too, the the dialogue and you, you you sort of hinted at this earlier, the the dialogue is written in such a way that it's almost exhausting to listen to be, mm-hmm. because the script is so pleased with itself over how yeah. clever it is and never does it approach cleverness not once no. it's not clever no. at all that he the eric seagal i guess he he was under the impression he was writing them like uh like he was writing a thin man movie or something like they <laughs> like they were nick and nora charles the the bantering couple and and it's that would be a really depressing thin oh, man i mean nora what's wrong with you <laughs> i'm dying charles martini certainly charles <laughs> 
but he it's like can they, asta come in <laughs> because they they do they have these little banters back and forth and it seems like almost all of their lines are one of them setting the other one up like for a clip yeah. or a punchline or, or well whatever. it's 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 a very obvious setup yeah you know it's a very obvious oh look look we're i'm writing banter yeah and it's exhausting and, and it's 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 terrible as written and yeah. the performances it's like they have no idea how there, there's no clip in their delivery there's no it's just you know yeah there's no it, naturalness to it not they, they could have saved they could have saved the dialogue had they been um they were very young they were both very young when they made this movie um but you know there were a lot of actors and actresses out there that probably could have could have saved some of the dialogue in there had it been more natural but a lot yeah. of it comes across as extraordinarily rigid like they don't they don't identify with the character the problem that i have with her is she doesn't seem to identify with the, the character that she's playing yeah it very much feels like she is play acting that she doesn't understand this character at all there are there are line readings especially from her and especially in the early parts of the film that really sound like they belong in a school play uh-huh. i mean that they are so bad and so stilted and unnatural and even though it's usually a bad line, like you could still imagine a better reading than what she gives. It re- it sounds like it's it's a reading from a bad school play. Yeah, and it's embarrassing, and especially when you consider that she was nominated for best actress I for this know. role. <laughs> it's staggering. I mean, it's really because it's not just like, well, you know, because sometimes people get nominated for Oscars and maybe their performance was a little bland, but it takes Mm -hmm. place like in a prestigious movie and you figure it gets the nomination that way. Her performance in this movie is downright awful. Remember, it made a fuck zillion dollars. They had to nominate it. it. They had to. It did make a, a pile, but I mean... And, and just judging from the technical aspects of this film, this film did not cost a lot of money to make. Oh, I should um, hope not. It is, it is a very slapdash. It, it feels very slapdash. A lot of the camera work is is pedestrian, and you know a lot of crossfades, a lot of yeah. really horrible handheld work. A oh. lot of you know when he's running in that montage when he's looking yeah. for her. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, some of that handheld stuff is terrible. And not only that, but to take it back to to my questions about the editing, there are moments where it really feels like they forgot to shoot stuff, mm-hmm. and they're just stitching it together. There are two or three like really extended uh, establishing shots with dialogue looped over top of them that really should have been proper scenes. Yeah. But it seems like, oh shit, we forgot to shoot that. Uh, just give us an establishing shot of the dorm and we'll just have the dialogue over top of it. it it's it's like, holy shit. The, it's only like an hour and a half long movie. Like, yeah. You couldn't I have mean, remembered to shoot all of the scenes. My other problem with it is that a lot of it feels like padding. Because they didn't Very have much. enough of a, they didn't have enough of a film to make it a long enough length so that people didn't feel like they were getting ripped off. Very much. And I think the best example of that is um, the ice skating scene. He's ice skating. She's sitting in the bleachers watching him ice skate. She already knows that she's dying. Um, and then they decide, I guess, to have Coco at the little the little restaurant that's there by the ice rink, and they're having a conversation. And then she says, "I want to go to the hospital." So uh, logically, what you would do for there to be a sense of importance as a filmmaker is that you would immediately cut to the hospital. Right. Nope. We need to watch him <laughs> walk walk <this> her <laughs> woman through a field of snow to the stupid music. Yep. And we <laughs> then we, we need to the watch them walk. get into a cab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then walk her into the hospital. And I don't think it's because... And I on this time, I honestly do not believe it is because they thought we're dumb, that we're that stupid, that we wouldn't understand that when she said, I need to go to the hospital, if we saw her in the hospital... How'd she get to the hospital? There. 
<laughs> am I am I suffering from missing time? Was I abducted by aliens? <laughs> it's in there, and there are a lot of scenes like that where it's just walking around, staring at stuff to the horrible music. Um, yeah. There was there was one scene that I thought that I felt was starting off to be really to be really good, and that is that is when he is told that she is dying, and he's left the the doctor's office, and he's walking he's walking down the street, and he's going to go back into his apartment, and there is a uh, kind of a high pitched tone that's played. Yeah. Where you can't hear anything else. And I thought if they had just made that a little bit shorter and they had kept that in there, that is a, 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 that would be a great little piece of filmmaking because that is kind of what it's like when you receive really horrible news. Yeah. Like really horrible news. You kind of tune everything out. It's kind of the sound that you can only hear in your ears. But they had to ruin it by putting the goddamn music yeah. over it again yeah. and making that, that whole walking sequence and going into the apartment and going back upstairs, you know, way too long. There is so much filler they re- in and, this movie. And they really do like that theme. I think this is one of the only movies I've ever seen where they remix their uh, own theme. Like they're, yeah. they're, There's they're, the, the semi-uptone disco theme yeah. version of it. It's like, give it a break, guys. You know, speaking of things that the movie almost gets right, uh, I noticed this just watching it this morning. Um, the scene where Oliver and Jenny are at his parents' house, and they come in and they sit down, and of course this has all been built up. They've been driving in the car, and you know, yeah. Oliver's yeah. said nothing but horrible things about his father yeah, for the he, whole movie. He's been reactionary and, and and just being a jerk and saying we're leaving now and everyone else is like why we're gonna have we'll have dinner it'd be nice yeah and everyone well, including Jenny and what happens is <laughs> what happens is and this is, goes back again to the editing to just the structure of this movie and it makes me wonder like what could anyone possibly have been thinking um, mm-hmm. one of the few moments that works until they ruin it is there the, Jenny and Oliver arrive at his family's house and they come in and everybody greets everybody and, and they sit down and there's a moment of just maybe two or three seconds of just sort of quiet and then Oliver says we'll have to be going soon <laughs> and then it cuts to them in the car in the car and, and you I think thought, oh they left and, <laughs> and I thought well that's kind of funny you know and then <laughs> instead of moving forward and just letting mm-hmm. that joke work even it's kind of cheap and kind of whatever superficial but well, yeah, whatever yeah. it works I mean and right. it, nothing else in the movie fucking works at least I felt a, I actually got a little pissed off because I was kind of like wait we're not going to see what happened because well, then they go back they keep yeah. coming back to the scene that they just left and I'm like well, what was the fucking point to the gag uh, I mean if you're just gonna go back and show us the scene in full anyway why put the gag in there where it's like they well, wanted have it to go. they wanted it both ways yeah. they wanted the gag and that's they it. wanted they wanted the scene that's it so it's yeah so uh, bad bad Arthur Hiller <laughs> <laughs> I think you're long dead Arthur but bad good I hope you're don't say that I hope I hope you're doctor I hope you're doctor told your wife what you were sick with and didn't tell yeah. you. Just you like... have plot contrivance. What? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And that's the other thing. It's kind of like the, the people who wrote the story didn't, the people who wrote the script, the person that wrote the script, Eric Siegel, yeah. didn't care. He, he just wanted her to die. <laughs> exactly. And it didn't matter what she had. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter to the director to go, oh, you know, when people get sick, they tend to look bad and, and, and you know, it, it's an awful thing. No, no, she has one of those diseases where it doesn't hurt and then she just dies and you're yeah. like huh that that's that's 
all the effort you're going to put into this? This is a major plot point, and it's just, oh, she died of something. Um, That's one of the things that, like, I mean, it's one of those things that doesn't necessarily hit you when you watch the movie, but because I loathe this movie, uh, (laughs) when when I go back and I think about it, it's one of those things that makes me hate it even more, is that the the entire reason for this movie existing is for the Jenny character to die. Is that plot point. It's that that specific plot point. That's the only reason it's there. So this is a movie, essentially about death mm-hmm. and it has such a blase superficial romantic comedy you know lifetime movie tearjerker attitude toward death mm-hmm. and it's it's really kind of offensive when you think about it because you're, yeah it, here you're expect you want this to be tragic you want me to feel the death of this woman and to feel mm-hmm. bad for her dying but you don't really want me to feel it you want me to yeah. get kind of misty-eyed in like the tearjerker sort of way but be, right. be, because you're not treating it in anything appropriate a serious manner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really it, reminded me of throwing something back to when people would get sick back in movies in like the 30s and 40s, yeah. where they would get these mysterious diseases, but they would still be, they'd still look good or whatever. Or you know, when when a character would go blind, like in uh, <laughs> was it Dark Horizon? Is it Dark Horizon that I'm thinking of? Uh, where where it just seems yeah. like the character just oh dear, suddenly I'm blind and they, yeah, <laughs> and but everything it. else There's is normal. No, There's no emotional impact to the character. There's no. Uh, there's none of that. There's nothing, you know, I would think what would make it more interesting is if the, if the Jenny character actually did have regrets and actually yeah. did feel like she was being cheated, but she had to, she has to be the magic dying person that says the right things to the people before, before she passes on so that they can be okay. And that's bullshit. Yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. If there was, if there was just even a moment where like the facade with her dropped, you know, mm-hmm. if there was a moment moment where she just she wasn't jenny the perfect girlfriend who always uh-huh. who always says you know the 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 quote-unquote clever thing if there was a moment where maybe she was just like oliver just leave me alone jesus grow the you grow you know? up and go say to your go tell your father that you love him right and that we can get some money so that i don't <laughs> have to work full time to support you while you go to harvard law school yeah there's there's it's i mean i think I, i'm trying to put my finger on exactly what it is or trying to find the perfect way to articulate what it is about the Jenny character that I find so unattractive. And it's, it's the, the conclusion you're sort of forced to come to that she's really like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that she's not just putting on a happy face for people. Mm-hmm. She's not just behaving in a way she's sort of been conditioned to behave because of her right. upbringing or whatever. She's really like that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of horrifying to think <laughs> that a real human being in the world who has faced hardship and who has overcome. And, you know, like you say, I mean, she comes from, uh, compared to Oliver, a relatively humble background. Yeah. And Guess she's... what? Her the, Their backstories, the one that's more interesting is her backstory. Yeah. She she's from where was it Rhode Island? Yeah, uh, poor person, poor girl from Rhode Island. Father's a baker. Gets into Radcliffe, which is a, a, an achievement to go yeah. from uh, from humble beginnings and then to go to Radcliffe. That is an interesting story. You know what's not an interesting story? Uh, the story about a guy who's going to Harvard to become a lawyer who comes from a rich family where one of the halls at Harvard are named after his grandfather. Yeah, and that is supposed- not an interesting. Yeah, <laughs> we're supposed to pity him for this. We're supposed supposed to sympathize with him for reasons yeah that you, are not specified you poor rich man <laughs> i mean you poor rich blonde-haired blue-eyed 
<laughs> athlete. <laughs> and I think that they wanted to make it seem like it was noble that he's doing all of this for her, that, you know, because his father uh, wanted him to wait a little bit before getting married, that giving up all the money and all this other stuff was somehow ennobling because he's doing it all for the love of this woman. But I don't get that. I don't get that from this character or no. from the script. What I get from the script is he is a selfish <laughs> Um, diluted, um, bizarrely, um, uh, it's almost as if, you know, I, I want to say that the character does not change throughout the thing. One of my biggest pet peeves is when you have a character that does not change throughout the entire film. Yeah. And, and I can't say that about this because he does seem a little bit different towards the end of the film. It took his wife dying to do that. <laughs> it took his wife dying to nudge him just a little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> because at the very end of the film, when the father comes up and says, I, I came here and, and I want to help and he says he's dead, his father says, I'm sorry, and he says, uh, love means never having to say you're sorry, which you can interpret as meaning he acknowledges that his father loves him. Yes. Okay. And that he loves his father. But then that is negated by the fact that he then just wanders off. <laughs> <laughs> right. He doesn't hug his dad. He doesn't because say thank time you for coming. For, uh, it's time for another him wandering yeah. around well, staring and, at stuff and because it's time it's time to pointlessly bring the film full circle and fulfill the totally artificial and unnecessary <laughs> framing device of having him yeah. sitting there on that bench for some reason you know I want to take all the mo- all movies that I see and I want to put the ending scene at the beginning and then tell it as a flashback I want to do yeah. it with Star Wars I want Star <laughs> Wars to start with the Death Star being exploded <laughs> right exactly and have Luke Skywalker come in and go it was the greatest moment of my life <laughs> but it didn't start here yes. and then they go all the way back to the beginning like, oh, and you know or they, jaws when jaws oh. when, when the shark explodes oh boy what a week that was <laughs> you know? i remember i was called to the beach to identify oh, a body it was the craziest fourth of july ever <laughs> But you know the thing. The other thing about that, like we mentioned, uh, how how just how unoriginal and boring and bland the movie is, and one of the major problems with putting that with doing that opening scene the way they do it is that I mean, first of all, it 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 completely it gives away the whole story of the movie because you know she's going to die, so there's no Uh surprise there. There's no there's no discovery at all. You know exactly where it's going from the very beginning for no reason. Yeah, Uh, and he describes her. You know, he says, you know, what do you say about a twenty five old woman who died and he talks about how and he names her musical tastes which are like mm-hmm. the most generic vanilla white yeah. girl musical taste wow possibly... someone like the beatles in 1970 who oh, would have oh, thunk it now now she liked <laughs> she liked mozart bach and the beatles oh okay like, I, wow. again it's those one, are eclectic it's the yeah it's like it's one of those things where it's like so is that so unusual he might as well like, have said she enjoyed ice cream sunny days and puppies yeah i mean she, there's she enjoyed ice cream and and puppies? What an extraordinary woman she must have been. I mean, it's so... and there's The fact that it's just fucking called Love Story, I mean, there's so... It couldn't yeah. have been any more vanilla if they tried, and I think maybe I, they did. I originally wanted to call this, uh, to label this romance porn, and yeah. um, I'm gonna... I, I, I revised that while I was watching it, and then I said, oh, well, this is emotion porn, where people come in and they watch something just to get an emotional reaction. 
action. You know, some people like do like to go to movies and cry. Yeah, that's something that they enjoy. But um, I'm gonna say that this is kind of more like relationship horn, <laughs> where you have this kind of idealized relationship where people can can fight through everything, including the death of the other, and they're better off for it. Which is a fine message. It's a fine message. Mm-hmm. But um, it, boy, could it have been done better if I felt that these were real people and that it didn't. And it and it is kind of just kind of like at that porn level. You know how porn yeah. is just kind of you know bare bones in your face. This is this is about sex. Well, right. this is bare bones in your face. This is the most generic relationship that we can put forward, and you're going to enjoy it because there are things in there that you're going to identify with somehow. I don't know what. <laughs> And people did. People ate it up. They ate it up in 1970. This was a major film. And I, you know, I'm kind of flabbergasted. And maybe we're viewing it from a more modern perspective. Maybe this was fresh and new when it came out in 1970. That relationships had been um, uh, put on the screen quite like this. But this is one of those films that people reference that just doesn't hold up. It just, yeah. it, it does not hold up. Um, and uh, yeah, so fuck this movie. <laughs> oh, I, I hate this movie. I hate this movie so much. I hate every single single moment of it now do you know anyone who likes the movie um well um and my wife likes it a little bit she actually used to like it a lot but i think over the years i have gradually chipped away at her you know i uh, could see i could see someone 12 to 13 years old loving this movie i can see when that. you have when you have no relationship experience and you're still kind of romanticizing what relationships are um, just like uh, teenagers tend to romanticize Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Where when you're an adult and you read it, you're like, God damn, these kids are dumb. These are the dumbest kids <laughs> yeah, I've ever right. seen in my life. Um, well, and and if you're if you're a kid, maybe not only have you never really known like serious love but you've also mm-hmm. pro- you, it, hopefully you've never known true pain either mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it, you can you can it, it, the the romanticizing not just of the relationship but also of this woman's death right could kind of go down a little smoother whereas okay. if if you're if you're a grown up and you've been through some shit you can watch it you can watch a movie like this and go oh this is horse shit like this is just <laughs> like how could anybody sit through this okay we're done flogging this beast uh, so, Steve, do you recommend Love Story? <laughs> I, if you really, really hate yourself, or you have terrible <laughs> taste in movies, I recommend or Love Story. Or if you're going to watch something with your grandma. Oh, that's true. Grandma will love it, because yeah. even the sex scenes are not explicit at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Or, I mean, it, it's a fun movie to watch if, if, if you have a group of friends and you enjoy just ripping into it. You just want to tear yeah. it apart. But mm-hmm. on its own as a movie, no, I, I could not in good conscience ever recommend anyone watch Love Story. <laughs> And I concur. <laughs> so now we're going to recommend a movie that we want you to see. And I'm going to recommend mine first. Yes. And it's also a movie about relationships. And it's also a movie that came out in the 70s. And it's also a movie where the woman dies at the end. <laughs> but it's a movie that I will watch repeatedly because I love it. And that movie is Harold and Maude. Ooh. And if you have not seen Harold and Maude, where have you been? You've had to have at least have heard of it. But Harold and Maude is the story about um, a rich kid huh, who um, has emotional problems. <laughs> he has difficulty connecting with people. And he meets this outspoken, smart, and sassy woman who happens to be... 70 years older than he is and he falls in love they have a relationship and then she dies at the end 
And um, but at the end of this movie, you actually feel like you've gotten to know these people. You get to, you get the feeling that uh, you've actually been on a journey. And more importantly, the main character, who is Harold, changes from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. And I'm not going to say too much more about it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's worth it. It has, it you know, it, it is very much a product of its time, but it is still a, a worthwhile watch. Harold and Mod, go see it. Steve? That is a great recommendation. Harold and Maude is a fantastic movie. Um, my recommendation is a movie that deals with some similar themes to Love Story, but in different ways, and I think is a much more mature, realistic, well-made movie. Uh, I'm going to recommend Rachel Getting Married, which, oh. which uh, is by uh, Jonathan Demme and uh, stars Anne Hathaway and uh, Rosemary DeWitt and... Um, Oh, the guy who plays her dad. I can't think of his name. Bill. He's such a great actor. Anyway. Um, I'm glad we narrowed it down to actors named Bill. <laughs> an actor, he's an actor named Bill, and he gives a great performance. And, but it's, it's, it's about a woman named Rachel who is getting Bill Irwin. That's who it is. Um, and, uh, she's getting married and her sister played by Anne Hathaway is sort of coming home from drug rehab to take part in her wedding. And there's a lot of relationship stuff. There's a lot of family angst being aired, you know, uh, sort of in the same way that Oliver resents his family rate. Uh, 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 Kim, the Anne Hathaway character resents her family. Although there's, it's a much richer, more fully developed relationship where you can see both sides of it. You can understand why Kim feels the way she feels, but at the same time, you can understand why the family sort of sees her sometimes as a problem and as a handful and as someone who just wants to be the center of attention. And, uh, it's a, beautifully shot movie uh, really well made actually has some really nicely done handheld camera work as opposed to love story and it's just a really really great movie and I, if you haven't seen Rachel Getting Married I highly highly recommend it great well thanks everybody for tuning in and listening to us uh, flog a movie that's 40 years old <laughs> If you guys have any suggestions for films that you would like us to review, and remember, they have to be films that have been released at least five years or so. We're not going to be doing... I don't think we're... I think this is more interesting, doing films that are older that uh, have yeah. kind of entered into the lexicon, into the, into the cultural zeitgeist, yeah. and taking a look at them um, uh, from a critical point of view. But if there is a movie that you want us to review, uh, leave a comment in the comment section, and uh, we'll definitely consider it. Or dismiss it out of hand. It depends on my mood. <laughs> So until next time, thanks for tuning in. This has been Jason Harding. And this has been Steve Shives. Bye.